0: Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda,
1: and I'm Jake Bennett,
0: and welcome to episode number one hundred and fifty of the North Meet South podcast.
1: Yeah, hey, so this is like one hundred and fifty officially, I guess, I guess. We've had this discussion a couple times. Let's have it one more time for those of you who care. Uh, this is, I mean, like, the you know, technically this is not the 150th episode, but it is number 150 episode as far as the labels go. We've had more than 150 episodes. Mm-hmm. It's just we haven't numbered every one of them because some of there them have been hundred, Christmas.
0: There is 151 published episodes.
1: There we go. There we go. So anyway, yeah, for you uh, super fans out there, I guess, um, so, let me tell you what's been going on. Um, You've been painting. painting. I have been painting a lot. Still. Actually, I I should like show you around. It's still hold on. Let me see. Can you see? We're getting all we we putting new have new floors in. I've painted all of these areas. There's still like nice. chairs up and everything. So yeah, it's been uh, it's been an adventure. I will say I have been up way too late, way too many nights in the last couple of weeks painting, but it's been great. I I'm, I'm super glad I'm almost done. Um, and so very much worth it. It's feeling like everything's coming together and, um, wonderful. So I'm, I'm glad to be almost done with that. Did you do all the uh,
0: yourself as well?
1: No. Oh no, no way. No, There's been two guys here. Uh, well, you know, you always tell me like, you know, you do too much yourself. And I took Let's your advice on this one and, I was just like, you know what? There are people who know what they're doing and I'm just going to let them do it. And I will tell you, Mm -hmm. it's been two guys for three days, I think. And they're probably, they've got one more day. So if we say that that's Mm -hmm. like what? That's like 24 times two, that's 48 hours, right? So far with two people doing it, 48 altogether. Mm -hmm. I cannot even imagine how long, and that's people who know what they're doing. I cannot imagine how long it would have taken me. I would have never got it done ever. Yeah. And so it was very much just worth having them do it. It's totally worth it. And um I'm gonna get a deal out of it by the time we're done. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna end up being being good. good. So it's good. It's what you want. Yes, 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 yes indeed. Yes indeed. So how about you? How are things going for you?
0: Uh yeah, things are going pretty well. Eli finished his second week of school and he's enjoying it and he kind of it wipes him out, so he gets like really cranky towards bedtime, and then he like mm. falls asleep between when I leave the room and and when Re comes mm-hmm. in to say goodnight to him. So it's tiring him out, and then Saturdays he will actually sleep in till seven. Good man, there you past go. Seven. So he go, He came out this morning after I got back from my run, and he goes. I had a little bit of a sleep in today, I said, like, that's good, bud. You get tired from all of that schooling, so <laughs> that's that's, right. that's going well. That you know, and oh, that's he, cute. he's enjoying it. He's you know, we haven't he hasn't gotten himself in trouble or anything in in the first two weeks, which is good. He's um nice job. He came. I went to pick him up this week, and he came running out. and He goes, "Dad, sign me for Ozkick." And Ozkick is like little kids' footy, so it's their first ah of nice taste into okay actually playing footy. So he's come running out asking. So that's is it, is the it violent week. or so, not too bad. No, it's mostly, like, kids at that age don't really have the coordination or the skills, so it's mostly just chasing a ball around. Sure. Uh, and But there's a yeah, lot of value so,
1: in that too, honestly, you know, for just sure. exercise, yeah. just getting familiar with the field yeah. and whatever, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, my uh, my sister always said like cuz all of her kids play soccer. But she said a lot of a lot of the kids up where they are that that come into the soccer club, they they learn soccer to get the, you know, the foot eye coordination and and all of that kind of stuff and and sort of the fitness up and then they transition into playing Woody as they get older so interesting be interesting um but i don't know anything about soccer and have very little interest in it so i'm kind of hoping he doesn't end up playing yeah. soccer but you know whatever yeah. whatever makes him happy you know we'll, we'll try things and he's at that stage now we, we kind of held off doing any team sports or anything because he was eligible last year but we kind of uh-huh. wanted to hold off until he was a little bit older because then he'd be doing it with the kids that he's in school with and, and things oh like that's that. cool so be yeah that's a good friends. plan so this runs in like term one and then we'll if he if he's still interested in it we'll get him to an actual football club to to do Auskick in term two and, and see how he goes from there that's really then, neat. I, you know, hope, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So, the, and then they have like the Oz Kick, then gets to play on, like the AFL days. So during halftime, the Oz Kick. Oh, that's they, so they, cool. Like, they select, you know, it's not every kid that does it, but they, as far as I know, but they, they'll select kids to come out and they'll get different games throughout the year where they can come out and and have a run around for twenty minutes during halftime, which is which is pretty cool. He's he's always interested in that anytime he's kind of bored with the footy he's like i want to stay until the little kids come and play and then i want to go home mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah i think it'd be so he's, he's grown up watching that yeah
1: that's cool yeah i'm curious in in terms of like popularity um for sports uh in australia or at least in the area that you live in um mm-hmm. so i would guess you've got so footy is like for those of you who don't know i believe you're talking about australian rules football right yeah, yes right. okay so so, we've got that. So, we've got footy. You've got soccer. Uh, do they call it soccer or do they call it football for you guys?
0: Yeah, we soccer. Yeah.
1: They call it soccer. Okay. Depends so, Australian rules like, football.
0: Obviously, the people the people that follow soccer will call it football. Sure. And yeah. then the rest of us call soccer soccer. Or futsal is the other. It gets bandied around depending on the ethnicity of the person talking about the soccer. The Italians and, sure. and the Greeks and that. They, they tend to call it futsal. <clears throat> My sister okay, so fair futsal enough. as well. So.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. They're just kind of interchangeable then. So, um, so you have got Australian football, you've got soccer, you've got basketball. Um, do you guys have any, Yeah, like, cricket is a cricket, a big one too. I mean, I know at least depending yeah, so kind of on, uh, maybe again, depending on like the ethnicity. I know that we've talked about this yeah. a little bit before so too,
0: footy and cricket would be the two main ones. Uh, okay. That's what in, I was actually, that's what I was curious about In winter cricket in, in summer soccer has got a huge following. It's very popular as well. Um, then the the eastern states, so Queensland and New South Wales are very heavily leaning towards rugby, and I know that there's rugby ah, league and rugby union, and I don't know don't know which of the two it is, but rugby is a a very Queensland, New South Wales thing. Footy is very much uh, a Victoria, South Australia, Western Australia sport, um, and like we've got basketball, and that's expanding, but our our national league would would probably struggle against your college basketball teams to be
1: honest. Okay. So it's still it's still kind of up and coming. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys yeah. play baseball at all? You guys play baseball or is it, is not really
0: Yeah, there is a bit of baseball around. We the the season just finished here last weekend and my home team, hometown team, won the, the championship. Oh wow that, so, that's cool. Yeah. So apparently we you know nice. we play it, but we're also pretty good at it. So there you yeah. go.
1: Nice. Love it. Well, hey, uh, folks, if you showed up to hear about Australian sports, then you're in luck because that's exactly what we're talking about today. So very nice. Hey, um, I've got an interesting topic to talk about here. Um, Have you ever done campaign emails, like marketing emails for a company that you work for, not just personally?
0: No, most of the stuff that I've done is transaction. We don't do any of the campaign emails. Like you're talking the, you know, drip campaigns and things like that. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Just, like anything yeah, that, you'd, that yep.
1: you would consider like a subscribed list of people or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No. Okay. No. Okay. Gotcha. So um, what we have done pretty typically is we have done transactional emails as well, right? That's That's mm-hmm. been solely what we've done. We've never done any sort of campaign sort of like, hey, let's email these people sort of deal. We've never done that. Um, mm-hmm. But in the industry that we're in, Uh, we're wanting to expand the ways that we're attempting to communicate with people and also giving them the option to essentially choose which way they want to be communicated with. The challenge that we have is that the folks that we're trying to get in touch with, none of them have talked to us before and none of them have basically consented to be talked to, right? They don't, it's, it's, they just haven't because they're not our clients. They're not, it's nothing. We're trying to find these people basically is what it is, right? Mm -hmm. And so some of them, you'll call them and they'll never pick up their phone. They just won't. But if you text them, they'll text you back, or if you email them, they'll click the link that's in there, right? So it's mm-hmm. um, but we also are very sensitive to wanting to be good actors in this space. We certainly don't want to spam anybody yeah. and we want to give people the option to unsubscribe and we want to make sure we have a really For good sure. sender reputation, all that stuff, right? Um, mm-hmm. So one of the challenges that we've faced is that we're kind of going from this transactional idea to more of like, well, we have, you know. I don't know, 3,000 people who have logged into our our payment portal and have given us their email, but we haven't heard from them in a long time. So we're going to email those people. Um, But we're not using, like basically what we did is we just said, let's take our transactional stuff that we've already done and just Mm -hmm. send some people into those files and just go manually send 3,000 emails. Well, that's fine, but none of those transactional emails have like an unsubscribe button or anything like that, right? And so what ends up happening is people marking this as a spam or as abuse, whatever, and that's not great. Um, yeah. so we're trying to figure out if we, if we move those sorts of things over to something like mail coach, you know what I mean? Where we just load them up into mail mm-hmm. coach and then shoot them out because yeah. Mailcoach, I believe will already handle most of that unsubscribe stuff. You know what I mean? Like the, the yeah. that deal. Um,
0: yeah, built for that kind of stuff.
1: Right. Exactly. Built for some of that stuff. But I, I found it interesting sort of how the whole unsubscribe thing works. And so I'm, I just want to take a quick minute to break this down, um, Yahoo and Google recently banded together to do this new thing they're calling it Yahoogle informally, I think. Right. And so it's like basically hmm. these rules that they've had for senders that they're now choosing to enforce. Um, and so one of the things that they're enforcing is that if you send over 5,000 emails a day, um, any of your marketing emails must have a one click unsubscribe. So one click unsubscribe, meaning not you click. And it goes to a page where it says, do you want to unsubscribe? And then you click that again, not that like a literal one click unsubscribe. So the way that this works is interesting. There's these there in 1997, there was these list headers that got introduced as an RFC for emails. So in emails, you can send these headers through and there's like list, subscribe, list, unsubscribe list, archive. And all the, the list there is referring to like an email list, right? A list of people that you're emailing, right? So you can think of it as like, um. You know, newsletter sort of deal, right? So, all of those list headers are specifically related to mailing lists. Um, well, list unsubscribe has been there for a long time, mm-hmm. but typically it's just been a get URL where you again, you send them there and they click it. The problem yeah. is that if you are trying to implement a one click URL solution where you say, okay, if, as long as they hit that page, we'll unsubscribe them, a lot of email service providers now will automatically Ooh, hit any page. link. Exactly, yeah. prefetch everything to make sure that it's it's not spam or it's not uh, mm-hmm. virus or, you know, whatever. Apple, if they, you know, if there's a tracking list, or whatever, they hit everything just to like throw off advertisers so they can't say like, oh, that's a good email address. You know what I mean? They'll always yeah. kind of visit that thing. So you can't really do that. So what they are doing now is they're s- suggesting that that list unsubscribe is a get URL that does the, you click through and then you click it again and it unsubscribes. Or, or, and I should say that URL should also be able to be posted to. And if you post (laughs) to that URL, the post will then unsubscribe them in one, in one you know, in one hit. So, you know, how in Gmail or when, whatever you say, like, um, like there might be like some unsubscribe thing or whatever, like if they click spam and you have a one click unsubscribe, they won't market a spam. They'll just unsubscribe them for the list sort of deal, I think is the idea, right? Because they know okay. users don't really differentiate between spam and yeah. abuse and whatever. So if, as long as yeah. you're playing with the rules, then what Google will do is they'll send the post requests to that list unsubscribe header. And you also have to have one, one more header called list unsubscribe dash post. And that post basically says one the, the value of that needs to be one click unsubscribe. That's what that value mm-hmm. of that header has to be. And if it is, then they'll go ahead and post to that URL rather than get it and then assume that you're going to unsubscribe the user. So I thought that was <clears> pretty <throat> interesting, actually. Um, I asked yeah. Freak today if they already implemented that. And he was like, yeah, we've had that for like three years. I think he said in yeah. version one, we had that. And so yeah. it's like for me, I, I'm, th- that's where I'm at. I'm like, okay, well, I could buy Mail Coach for 250 bucks. And just do it that way and be done with it. Or I could try and build these unsubscribes into all of my transactional email things too. That would be the developer
0: (sighs) thing to do. But you're going to spend more than $250 of your time doing
1: that. 100%. I think the thing that I'm concerned about is that I'm going to end up using the same domain to send all of those emails. Both my transactional emails and my campaign emails. And so mm-hmm. Google doesn't care at all which one is which. No, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the yeah. sender reputation is tied to the, the domain itself. So I either have to, A, send all my campaign emails from a subdomain or something like that, which would be fine. I could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, or I would need to also just make sure that the emails that I'm sending that are transactional also have that same functionality, that same unsubscribe functionality. And to be honest, I can't really think of a reason why I couldn't do that. Like, I could just include it there as well. So if somebody yeah. did mark it as spam, it doesn't mark it as like an abusive email. It just says like, mm-hmm. "Hey, don't send them an email again." And so I could just put it into a block list, essentially, or something like that.
0: Yeah, depends on what that transactional email is, though. Like a lot yeah, of that time, you're sending transactional emails that are like, "You have an invoice that you need to pay us," or you know, or you thanks for you your payment. Here's your receipt, or yeah, yeah, like that kind of stuff. And if someone marks that as spam. You know, you probably don't want to unsubscribe because you right. like you probably have some uh compliance obligations to send that kind of information to people. But I suppose yes. like if you can
1: demonstrate that you
0: have sent it, it is probably not your responsibility to make sure that it was received. Interesting.
1: So. Yeah. Yeah, if it um, bounces, for example, though, like if it bounces on our side, so- like if we get back a hook from AWS or something that that email bounced, we are obligated to to follow up on that. So like to follow up, our print, yeah, our fallback, exactly. That's literally what we have to do because it's like yeah. the the initial is like you must notify them, and the original was like you have to print an email or print and mail it, and they're like, mm-hmm. well, you can email it, but if you don't get it through there, then you have to send it through mail. So it's like okay. So yeah. anyway, that's been an interesting rabbit hole to kind of go down. And I thought it's, it's yeah. just a clever solution. Like it's a really well-written, well-understood um, piece of documentation. They just The RFC is really well-written. I, I, I thought it was yeah. good. So yeah, yeah kind of cool.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's good to know that, you know, Frank and co. at Sparsey have built that thing and they're aware of all of these RFCs and things that they need to adhere to if they're going to build and sell obviously a comprehensive mailing thing. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. You, know, you could build it yourself, but you're not going to know about these things, much less implement them. So, totally. you know, there's always that kind of stuff. And and then, you know, if you're using the Mailcoach Mailcoach cloud thing, or if you're using, you know, SendGrid and not SendGrid, uh, if you're using ConvertKit or um, SendStack from the team at Beyond Code or whatever. Like, if you're using these services, they're going to do. Some level of work to make sure that they can keep their deliverability rates up high. Yeah, because they're offering this as a service. And right, I know right. the mail coach—you can bring your own, you know, S S E S or whatever, you know, transactional mail provider, and, and send your mail that way. So, yeah, there's there's certainly things to doing. I would certainly all of that kind of stuff. I would always send from a separate email, a separate domain, just to make yeah. sure that yeah, you know, your internal staff emails that are you know jakebennett.com don't get caught up in in like some spam loop exactly you know, and, and you get on those blacklists and you can get stuck on there for ages and and they're quite aggressive about it now as well so for it's, sure it's definitely definitely something that you want to keep away from your like human uh generated originated right. emails versus you know the automated system emails and things like that so that's yeah, something absolutely. i'm looking into again uh this year as we're about to gear up for emailing you know, attendees and and you know, wait lists and you know, the, the sign-up list and all that kind of stuff for, for Laracon AU at the end of this month. I'm kind of revisiting, do we want to keep using what we're using? Do we want to look at using ConvertKit or something like that? So just trying to figure it out. I mean, we're using SendStack at the moment. I've found that SendStack was a little bit lacking in terms of some of its segmentation features which we were trying to do to kind of email people at various points in in the sort of like sales journey if you will for for laricon so the funnel um, you know yeah the funnel you know people that that signed up but then you know they didn't open an email you know we want to email those people again for example hey you might have missed that tickets are on sale or you might have missed that cfp is open or you might have you know all of that kind of stuff yeah um or people that were on a waitlist, you know, you want to make sure that they get notified of all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, absolutely, yeah, looking, that makes sense. Looking at email again at
1: the moment. Nice, yeah, yeah. So that's been interesting. Um, I've also been playing with keyboard stuff this week again. I know we talked about that two weeks ago. Uh, I've mm-hmm. had a couple breakthroughs. David Hempill helps me with this, um, and so I think the the place where I'm at now. Is that I have mapped caps lock, which I was afraid of doing. Um, I've I've had mixed results with caps lock, and I think it's because I was trying to do it on a magic keyboard and also on my Mac keyboard, and Macs don't really like when you mess with caps lock too much. Um, Mm. But on my on my and maybe or maybe I just don't have it set up right. That's that's possible too. Um, But on my on my keychron, uh, it has no problem with it. It's it's great. It doesn't care. Yeah. So. What I did is I mapped caps lock to tap to escape and hold is super. So that's been Mm -hmm. great. Um, It's been really nice because with those 60% keyboards, like I said before, like escape is, uh, sorry, there's no, there's no tilde, uh, tilde backticks. So I mapped my escape to tilde backticks. I mapped my caps lock to escape and super, right? So tap is escape, hold is super. And then I mapped my, um, Control key, my bottom left control T key. On tap, it's caps lock and on hold it's just control. Um so that's worked pretty good. Uh okay. it's, that's worked really well. And then the other thing that I did is I started using Raycast uh with hotkeys as well. So with Ray mm-hmm. I've been using Raycast, but they have hotkeys, and a hotkey basically allows you to define a keyboard shortcut to launch an app. Right? So what I can do now is I can hold down caps lock and I can press any of my home row keys and those pop up my most recent or my most um used applications so like command sorry hold caps lock h is mm-hmm. um happy place h happy place php storm right that's what i I've, i have to map them in my brain and then uh j is slack it's like jake if somebody's trying to get a hold of me hey jake uh k i think is edge i don't have a good monomic n- or mnemonic device for that and l is loud which is teams Because I hate Teams. It's so loud. It is just so (laughs) loud. So many notifications going through there. Um, So anyway, that's what I've got there. And then I've also, instead of using Moom, M-O-O-M, my window manager that I was using previously, Raycast also has window management, which I did not realize, which is pretty cool. And I can Mm -hmm. assign hotkeys to those commands as well. So I can press caps lock right, caps lock left, and that will you know that I'll bump my screen to one side or to the other mm. side caps lock space uh does full screen in the middle um interesting. yeah so it is interesting maybe, and then
0: maybe I need to look at using those hotkeys for the cuz I use the window management stuff in in raycast as well mm-hmm. but I just open up raycast and then type like fifo for first fourth or lafo for last fourth and things like that so um having having the ability to do it with hotkeys will be interesting
1: Yeah. So the, the couple things that I discovered in Raycast are like those, the hotkeys, which yeah, you basically, if you go to any command and then you press command K and then say configure command or configure extension whatever, it'll bring up a panel and it'll say alias or hotkey. So hotkey Mm -hmm. will basically say, you don't have to be in Raycast to run this. You don't have to press command space to pop up Raycast. You just press this keyboard combo. Yeah, exactly. It's a global thing. So if you press this hotkey, it'll just do whatever that command is. An mm-hmm. alias, however, is if I'm in Raycast and I type this, it will do this command, right? So right. I can do the same thing if I press like command space. So for like my top right corner, I actually don't have that mapped in, in Raycast for putting something up there in my window management, but I signed an alias of TR, top right. So I mm-hmm. press command space, open open Raycast, TR, enter. And that pops mm-hmm. up to the top right. Um, but you can, you, know, you can assign any sorts of aliases. So like for my GitHub mm-hmm. alias, so GitHub is an extension, right? But within GitHub extension, there are multiple commands. Uh, one of the commands is search repos. And so that's the one I use almost all the time. And so mm-hmm. what I did is you go to GitHub and then you go to you go to configure command. Uh, it's the command K. And then you go to search repo and then you can assign an alias to that. So the alias is GH. So now what I do is I open Raycast, type GH tab. And then I just type in the name of whatever repo I'm looking at. So in my case, like com, I just type in core, it pops it up. And then mm-hmm. I can, from there, press like command shift P to get to pull requests or command shift I to get to issues uh, or mm-hmm. enter to go to the repo. So it's really fast. My, I, I think that has been the biggest hurdle that I faced moving from Alfred to Raycast was there's so many options in Raycast and it took me forever to kind of navigate yeah. through the different pieces. And I just, it wasn't fast enough. So the aliases yeah. have been really helpful and the hotkeys too. So mm. that's so a nice.
0: Yeah, I think Rissa Jackson, who spoke at Laracon EU, she gave like her talk at Laracon EU this week gone was on using Raycast and, and the power of all of that kind of stuff. So I'm keen to check that out when it's available. Oh, cool. The I'll, I'll have to watch that. So, yeah. Yeah. And then I think Luke Downing <laughs> also shared he's got some stuff that he's set up with shortcuts like the series shortcuts on his Mac where it kind of ah, moves yeah. into position, which I've been I want to do, but I can't be bothered looking how to do it. So if, if Luke's just gonna hand it out on a silver platter, then then that'll be really good because I like to have all of my things in certain places on different desktops and things like that. And because I'm using this utility called better display to to mm-hmm. give me like a fake retina on my ultra wide monitor, it doesn't seem to to remember the position of things. So every time my MacBook goes to sleep, when I open it again, everything's kind of just collapsed onto desktop one. So I've got to, every time it comes out of sleep, I've got to move it. So it'd be cool to see if I can figure out how to make that work using Siri shortcuts and Raycast and whatever else So I can just push the button and it'll, it'll do what it needs to
1: do. That is really cool actually. And I'm, I was just looking at Raycast with shortcuts. Like if you press command space and type in shortcuts, It'll pull up shortcuts as an application, but it'll also list out all of your shortcuts. And then you can do the same mm-hmm. thing, alias or hotkey them. So if yeah. you if you yeah. wanted to, you could assign a global hotkey to run a run a shortcut, which is, that's pretty nice. Uh, because there yeah. might be things that you can do with a shortcut that you cannot do with Raycast, possibly. Yeah, you can do a bit um, of
0: scripting and things like that as well.
1: Yeah. You know what's one thing I really wish was possible with shortcuts or with just Apple in general? So I use, I have iCloud Plus, I think is what it's called. And, um, I really like the hide my email feature, which is nice. Cause I don't really want to give away my primary email address unless it's absolutely necessary. If I know I'm yeah. sending it to a person, I don't have a problem sending it to a person. Although here's my nightmare story, right? I was like, Oh, I'm sending this email to a person. No problem. I'll give them my email address. And then they did a They sent out a mass email to like 300 people for like a class Uh, reunion or something stupid. And they put everybody in the CC. I'm like, you moron. You just exposed my email. Mm -hmm. Ah, so frustrating. So anyway, I love the hide my email feature. I use it all the time. Mm -hmm. But there's no way to get a hide my email email really quickly. Yeah. Unless you go into the settings and then go to iCloud and then go to you know, whatever it is, yeah. mail and then go yeah. to hide my email and then generate a new one. It's just annoying. It's like there's gotta be a gotta faster way to do that. Yeah. You gotta use Safari you know?
0: and it'll give you the option.
1: Yeah, that's that's true. Could, like don't. it
0: detects when it's an email field and you can like it'll pop up, do you like do you want to use a prefill or do you want to hide my email and it comes up there? So that may that be an is option, true, But that means that's using Safari just to just to fill out a form. So
1: Right right so the thing is it's got to be using a simple api to do so like it can't be that complicated mm-hmm. to go get your yeah. email and go you know yeah, generate exactly. a one-time use email it's, it's got to be simple but mm-hmm. i had a shortcut that used to work on a previous version of mac os that would kind of like it was you it used the shortcuts to go through the menus and get to mm-hmm. it for me but <sighs> it doesn't work anymore it broke that's a shame so yeah whatever whatever
0: um, One last thing before we wrap up. You are speaking at PHP Tech in, is it March? Or is it later than May?
1: I think it's later than that. I think it's June or July or something. Let's see. PHP Tech. Tech Tech.phparch.com. 73 days. April. There
0: you go. So how, I mean, that'll be a a nice, easy drive for you down from uh, where you are. Yep. Has that absolutely. You, conference? Are you are you just giving the same talk that you gave at Laracon US last year, or are you are you augmenting it? Are you adding stuff to it?
1: I was asked to give the talk again. Yeah, by Eric. Actually, when we were at Laracon, I was like, "Absolutely, I'd love okay. to do that." So, um, yeah, I'm gonna polish it back up, prep it up again. Um, I will likely add a couple more things. Um, mm-hmm. I might just say, and here's some additional reading that you could do. So some of the things that, so like, I felt like the talk itself did a great job of explaining basic state machines and that's great. However, um, there was a lot of people who reached out afterwards and were like, okay, Hey, I ran into this situation. Like, how should I do this? And so it was like, okay, let's run through the steps. And, and some of the things that I saw people struggling with were, where's a good place for me to create a state diagram? Where, how can I do that? Should I just do it in like, you know, whimsical or should I just like open a Visio doc and start doing it? There's mm-hmm. some places that are actually really good for doing that. Like xstate.viz, I think is what it is. Or mm-hmm. Xstate visualization is one, one of the good ones. Um, I think Mermaid
0: would do it if you use Mermaid.js because you can do it on yeah. all Markdown then. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, that would be great. Um, I find a lot of times though, like when you're, when you're doing that, like mermaid for example is really nice i love mermaid because i can throw it in a github issue and it just renders and it's it's wonderful i don't have to open an editor or anything like that but it's not great for just exploring ideas because it's Mm -hmm. too it's too low level you know what i mean i just want to be able to throw some stuff on a page yeah Yeah, Yeah, exactly and so state state diagrams i feel like a lot of times especially when you're first getting started you just need to throw something on a page like write it on a paper if you need to i don't care um but anyway, X state does a good job of that. So I, I might mention that. And then the other thing I might mention, so that's on the front side of like getting started sort of thing. And the other thing I might mention would be to say, um, in the case that you end up with some complex scenarios, um, then state charts is where your next stop is on the state machine train. Um, mm-hmm. So parallel states, hierarchical states, avoiding state explosion, where it's like you have multiple states that depend on other things and you end up getting like... Um, just like exponentially large sets of state transitions. If you're not, if you're not careful. And so state yeah. charts is a great way to, to, I mean, that's the solution to it. Um, it was created for that reason. And so there's mm-hmm. some really good reading on that and some, um, some good things. The, here's the challenge with that. There is no such thing as a state chart library for PHP right now is not there's job, there's one for JavaScript. There isn't one for PHP. So mm-hmm. maybe in the next 73 days, I'll create one. I don't know. We'll see. hmm It'd be kind of fun. Okay,
0: like native native PHP app that just shells out to use NPM to JavaScript it up for you.
1: Oh, there you go. There you go. How might, yeah, how might working? Work?
0: Maybe maybe you you and Daniel Colborne can tag team a state machines. Uh, what's it called? Um,
1: verbs. Verbs. Like his event sourcing. Yeah. Event sourcing.
0: Two yeah, like so of you can tag team a, a talker. Laracorn, Laracon you?
1: That'd be great. Oh, dude, that would be great. I'd love that. It'll be super fun. And we'll do it
0: again. So uh, yeah, so PHP Tech is what do we say? April twenty yep. third and twenty fifth at the Sheraton Suites in O'Hare. Uh, we will put links in the show notes for you if you want to buy tickets. They're available now. It's a three track conference. Uh, so it's two days, three tracks. If you can't attend physically, there's also live stream access. So they'll do a full live stream as well. Uh, so definitely check that out if uh, if it's something that. You know, it's, a, it's a PHP conference, loads of speakers, lots of networking. We've talked about all the benefits of of attending conferences and things like that as well in the past. So definitely uh, check that out, especially if you're in Chicago. You know, it's
1: just a, Absolutely. Anybody in the Midwest, you know, for sure. It's a no-brainer for anybody in the Midwest. You should definitely yeah. come.
0: And it was something, something to tie you over between Laracon India and Laracon US.
1: You got it. Uh, which is...
0: August this year, I think. There's so many conferences now. You know, Laracon EU just happened. Laracon India is happening. Uh, PHP, U- the PHP UK conference is next week. PHP Tech is is in April. There's Laravel Live UK, which is, I think, July. Then Laravel Live Denmark, which is August. And then Laracon US is a week later in August. I'm sure it will definitely not be extremely hot in in Texas at that time of year. Um, and then we'll be back in November. We're getting very close to all of that goodness as well. So looking forward to sharing details with everyone. We've, we've secured hotels for, uh, attendees, which we, we did the first year and we didn't really get much, um, feedback or return on it then as we didn't do it the last couple of years. But I think just from a, from a attendee experience thing to say like, this is the hotel, here's your coupon code you'll get you know you'll get a discount to go and stay at um one of one of the hotel operators actually operates eight different properties within like a 30 minute walk of the conference venue so you can stay at any of them depending on you know what your budget is and what your tolerance to to walking is which would be good there's and then there's a second hotel operator as well that we will have um you know special rates for conference attendees so we're really trying to kind of make this an all-in experience it's not just like ticket with all the stuff that we're putting around it Um to to just make it the the best that we can make it which i'm really excited on and the people that i've kind of shared secret details with already they i mean you know how, how many of them are yes people i don't know you know they're just saying sure. that's it's hard to because, say. yeah yeah it's hard to you say know, but but you know you don't want to just go and tell it to everyone before you're ready or to someone yeah, that yeah. you don't know because, you know, they might tell you it's bad and or they might share that information that, that I'm not ready to share yet. So, so far, I've heard good things and uh, I hope that you now as we get closer to the date, um, hopefully by the end of February, fingers crossed, I haven't seen any of the branding for this year yet, but um, yeah, hopefully we can get that all moving pretty quickly and then... Once it's out in the open, we'll have CFP. I've got one speaker ready to go, which I'm very excited about. I'm hoping, not that Taylor listens to this podcast. I'm sure, but I'm hoping that we can get Taylor.
1: <laughs> Let's to come, go. Come back That'd to Australia. Be awesome. It's
0: been it's been uh, six years since he was here last. So fingers crossed we can get the man himself back. Maybe That'd once he amazing. hands the reins the reins of. Uh, Director of Engineering over, he'll have a bit more free time. So,
1: fingers crossed. Got to, got to figure out who that's gonna be. Got to figure that out. Who's that gonna be? Is it you? Did you apply? Oh, maybe, maybe it's me. No, dude, I, I don't think I, I don't think I could hack that job. I don't think I could do it. Um, I was talking to
0: someone else about it, and they, they're well positioned. Like their skill set is such that they could take on that kind of role. They're not sure if they would be able to take on the publicity. Like to mm. be ah, makes a, sense. the public face, like it would be known that you're the developer event, uh, the, the director of engineering or the head of engineering, whatever that role is at Laravel LLC. And so, you know, there's a s- possibly a certain level of expectation from the community that they're going to be like a Twitter person, that they're going to be public, that they're going to be, you know, talking about like this is how we run Laravel, you know, as a team of 20 developers or whatever. So there's um, some trepidation around that. And I'm sure that they're not the only one. Sounds like, you know, you could probably do it, but would you want the pressure of like leading a team of engineers that is responsible for the Laravel framework? Like that's a tall order.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. And um, yeah, for me specifically, um, I don't know. I I don't think, oh boy. Uh, I would just say that- There are a lot of people better suited, I think, to that job than, than me. And so, yeah, it would, be, it would be tough, though. It would definitely be a lot of pressure um, mm. and, and intimidating, too. I mean, like, there's so many smart people on Team Laravel. And so it's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but, but it also would definitely be something you'd love to put on your resume. You know what I mean? Like to work as the, you know, lead engineer, like the main guy, not the main guy, yeah. one of the main people helping to lead the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'd be cool. That'd be really cool. Interesting.
0: Uh, all right, we're going to wrap up. But Let's before, do it. You, did you submit? Have you submitted? Will you submit for Laracon US again this year?
1: I've talked to my wife about it. Um, it is a really large commitment, um, and so with four kids, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we will see. We will see. Uh, I feel like having had one under my belt, I feel like a little bit more confident that I could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it would just be, you know, it is just it's just a lot of time. And so, yeah, we'll see. We will see. I would like to. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. I would really like to. Um, but we'll see. I'm not sure yet. Okay. Yep. Good. Good. Right. Good talk though. Cool. All right, dude. <laughs> one fifty. Episode one fifty. Find show notes at Laravel. Sorry, not Laravel News. <laughs> Find show notes at NorthMeetSouth.audio slash 150. Hit us up on Twitter at Michael Dorinda at Jacob Bennett or at Audio. And of course, if you like the podcast, rate it up in your podcast of choice. Five stars would be amazing. Folks, we'll see you at PHP Tech if you happen to be there. Otherwise, we'll see you in two weeks. See you later.
0: Bye. Oh, you can watch this on on YouTube too. There is a video now. Oh, nice. I love it. Do that.
1: You can see my my house. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, I was going to kill you. Saw, you have to see all the trash. That's no, not trashed. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's
0: mid renovation. It's
1: totally fine. There we go. For- there we go. It's, it is. It's totally fine. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you. Two weeks. Two weeks.